Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Hey everyone, how are you all doing? Um, it's, just, it's one of those moments that I think I might need to get an eye appointment. I couldn't really see the screen as I was reading that prayer of blessing, so I was trying to look on at Phil's phone, but he didn't quite get the gist as I, as I was looking there. Um, if, if you weren't here last week, we're just going to take a, a few minutes uh, just today just to recall some of the teaching from last Sunday. As Warwick said, it's all online, so we're not going to spend loads of time on this, but what we have been doing, um, if you've been about us for a while, you know that in this foundation series, the last part of it is next week. Phil's going to be doing a concluding talk on that. Um, as we head into just some things in June and then the summer. But what we've been looking at was this, it was the core elements. You're probably, you're probably fed up seeing this slide, we've looked at it that many times. Some of the teachings that were embedded in the early church that was crucial for them to get into grasp as they started uh, being a church community together. Right? And what we're coming in to look at this week, uh, for a second time I started this last week, is this, uh, this theme on conduct towards outsiders. That word, as I said last week, I admitted, was felt a bit yucky. It, um, it was a very unfortunate word, that word outsiders, because it almost creates a mindset of seeing someone outside that somehow you look down upon someone and see yourselves as better than them, and that's not what it's about at all. The, the, the broad understanding of what we're looking at with this is this, that it's someone who maybe doesn't belong to this church family, so it doesn't belong to this particular church family, but... Um, belongs to another church family from, from outside of us, or it could be someone who maybe doesn't have a personal, personal faith with Jesus, right? And uh, don't belong to any community of faith. And, uh, and um, what, we, what we need to do is, last week we looked about how we con- conduct ourselves as people come in, and this week we're going to finish looking about how we conduct ourselves towards those people as we go out. We'll go into that in a wee second. You know that last week, the main verse that we tried to frame this all under was this one, Psalm 68, verse 6. God places the lonely in families. The heart of God is that for anybody who sits on the periphery of society or in any way that they would be able to experience the heart of family. Family is right at the heart of who God is. And so when people come in, this is what his heart is as they engage with church, that's what we looked at last week, as they come into church and they engage with it, that if people come in feeling that sense of loneliness or isolation, that they would be able to experience the heart of God for them, which is, family is a very general term, there's, a, there's lots of different things that people can experience, but four of the main things we were saying was this safety, um, sacrificial love mutual submission and a sense of belonging. As people come in into a family, they would experience this. And God's heart is that they would experience it here in church because church, as we saw last week, is not just a building. It is where it's a family of families, families coming together. This was the, the really inspirational diagram we looked at last week, wasn't it? So here was the church and we said, here was all the families on the outside. We congregate on Sunday mornings, we come in and there's all the individual little families. And what we were saying was what generally happens and can so easily happen because we just love the comfort of being with those that we know best. We can stay and silo ourselves and with people that we know so we can sit with our families or we can sit with our friends that we're just regularly talking with. Those things are not bad in themselves, but we need to be outward looking because what sometimes happens is people come in. And when people come in, here's the, the man and the woman up at the top. When people come in, we're asking, what do they experience? Because the heart of God is that he places the lonely in families. 
So when people come into this family, what do they experience? Do they experience all those things that we said the family is? Or do they leave, as Warwick mentioned this morning, do they leave sometimes perhaps feeling even more lonely than what they first came in? The thing that gets around this is the understanding that as the church, we are one, right? This is what it means that the family lines, when you come in and you're wee comfortable groups, it's in our eyes and your understanding, that all starts to disappear, right? So when we come in, we're coming in already with the mindset, I am not coming in just to sit with my wee family and to just isolate myself to my wee family. I'm coming in to be part of the family. This is one, we are all together. Paul says this, he says, the church, neither Jew nor Greek, black, white or Asian, male or female, slave nor free, single or married, prosperous or unemployed, this is a paraphrase of it, wealthy or homeless, but Christ is all and all and is in all as the church, we are one, this is the heart of God. And a oneness mindset, we're saying this means no one is outside. Everybody is equal. Everybody is important. So when we come in, we're always looking out for people. The thing that sometimes happened though is that while we're saying that that's what we would love, it's what we would love to go after more as a church family, it just sometimes just doesn't happen. I already had a conversation this morning with someone who was saying that they're thankful that we talked about it last week because they said that they felt this has been a lonely place to be in. I mean, obviously it's a two-way thing, it's a two-sided thing, but there's a sense of loneliness. And we need to recognize that we still, so even when we go to tea and toast or we come in here, it's still so easy and so comfortable just to sit with the people you know best. One of the things we looked at last week as we finished, I'm going to today, one of the things we looked at last week to finish this though was we can so easily critique what's going on in here. We want in here to be healthy, don't we? We want in here to be a place where people feel welcome and people feel like this is home. But the, the problem is, is that we try, to, we try to be good at doing it here, but it's only two, two hours on a Sunday. So we come, if you're here for tea and toast, you come and be part of church. We're saying, right, in this two hours together, we want to make sure we're good together. But the reality is, after these two hours, we all go home. The families all go back to where they came from and they get on with the rest of the week. And so what we were looking at was if we want to be good in here, we've got to be better at it out there. And so when we say that God places the lonely in families, while his heart is that, yes, as we congregate as the church, the lonely experience family here, more than that, God wants the lonely to experience family in your home, in your family, through your family's lives, God gets to experience everything. Our people get to experience everything that God has for them. And this is one of the keys we looked at was hospitality. It's crucial that with our homes, listen, we're blessed with what we have. You're blessed with your home. And what we do is now we just give it and say, God, would you use it? And we open our homes for people to be able to come in. This is what it means to be hospitable. But we've lost the art of hospitality. We said this last week, the art of hospitality is when you see someone, you're sending them, right, well, so we'll arrange a date for three or four weeks later and give me time to get the house tidied and we'll, we'll get all the fancy plates out and get the best. It's not about that at all because Jesus taught this. Doesn't be done with the recap and then we'll go into the, uh, the next part. Jesus says this, when I was hungry, you fed me. It's not a three or four week later thing. It's right there. When I was hungry, you fed me. You give me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you give me something to drink. Listen to this. I was a stranger and you did what? You invited them to one of the church meetings? No, you invited them in to your home because the lonely experienced family in your family, you invite them in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. This is something that is the heart for all of us, something we want to go after more and more. And today we just want to just go into this now just to see what is our conduct towards the other people as we go out. One really important thing just to say in this, 
just uh, to set the scene of, of where we're going. It's really easy, right, to think about this. You know the way over the last number of years we've, we've had that idea or theme of everyone, every day, everywhere. We've, we've, we've had the reality of we gather here on a Sunday and we scatter throughout the week. That was the language we've been using, right? So we're here we are, we're gathered and we scatter. And, and I think for some people there's, there's, there's the thought process of, right, so what are we doing as we come together and then what, what's happening in my life as I go and I just get on with, with what I'm doing and I get on with my work and I get on with my school and get on with my family. And it's almost sometimes it's just like, right, Let's, let's just get on with our normal lives outside of church and we'll just see what happens. The thing for me, right, that is really crucial, and this is, this is fundamental to everything that we're saying today, it's not just about thinking, right, I'm going to go in my own merry way and just see what happens and see, what, see if I can bring the kingdom with me. There's the reality and an understanding of this. It's not about us going, but the reality that we are sent. Right, there's a big difference. I, I can choose to go somewhere. Right? If, if I want to go somewhere this afternoon, I can choose myself if I want to go. But there's a difference when I'm sent somewhere and I'm sent to do something. There's a purpose in it. There's a reason in it. And Jesus says this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. There's a, there's a difference for us to understand. So when we're talking about as we go, how we engage with other people who are outside of maybe the church family who are, or who more importantly are outside of the community of faith, it's the reality and understanding that we are the sent ones. It's not just about us going and seeing what happens. It's we're sent. There's a specific purpose in this that we want to go after. And as we go, as we are sent, the two words that we really want to look at is this. This is what we carry. So we're going to take five minutes just to look at an understanding of this and then we'll, we'll land some things off the back of it. This is really significant today. Today in the Christian calendar is Pentecost Sunday. We believe that on Pentecost Sunday in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came and was poured out on all flesh. Right? We believe that. But today what we want to just look at is the significance of what this means for us because as we are sent, we are sent with those who carry these two things, power and authority. Right? We carry power and authority. You need to hear this today, that as you go about what you think is your normal life, actually you are being sent out with power and authority. Jesus has given this to you. This is what you walk in and you bring with you in your life each and every day. We're going to see later the significance of what this is for us. Jesus was obviously the greatest example of this to us, wasn't he? Jesus was someone who said this at the beginning of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He says these words. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is declaring all authority has been given to me. I think the, the authorized versions, instead of authority, it says all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But there's a big difference between these two words, power and authority. Dunamis is the Greek word for power. And the word for authority is this word, exousia. Here, here's the difference that exists between them. And let me explain it just like in an everyday situation. So you see, you see a policeman up a street and he carries a gun, right? Maybe they don't carry them as much as what they used to, but they, they've, they've got firearms or something on them. It's almost like the gun in itself is its power, right? So there's a power that they have. But the policeman also has, on his, on his chest, he has a badge, Right? And what that badge is, is that it's saying that he has the authority to be able to use this firearm, to be able to use this power. Because this word, exousia, or the, the definition of it for authority, there's a couple of different things. But look at this first one. It has the power of authority, influence, or the right 
the privilege. What we're saying is the policeman, he has the power, he has the gun, but he also has the right, the legal right to use it. Okay? What happens was so different though is that if any other person like a criminal or anyone else, a terrorist, whatever it might be, they might have a gun, they might have the power, but they do not have the authority to use it. Do you see the difference between them? And one of the things the devil does not want us to understand is what we carry because us as the church, we carry both power and authority. And here's the reason why. Let me tell you a story. And this is the story of the devil, right? We read this in the scriptures. What happened at the beginning of time? The devil was an archangel. His name was Lucifer. He sat in the courts of heaven. He was part of, part, he was part of, the, the, he's part of the angels and led the, the worship that was going on in heaven. And when he was there for everything that he was doing in the, in the presence of God, he had power and he had authority. He had the right to do it. He had, he had authority that had been given to him by God. But pride took hold of Lucifer. We're told that he was the most beautiful of all the angels. Pride took hold of Lucifer. He wanted to, to exalt himself above the very name of God. And we read, and we're going to see Jesus reference in this later, he was cast out of heaven with a third of all the angels. And at that moment, here's what happened. He still had power, but he no longer had authority. The authority was taken off him. Right at this point. And this is why he was so desperate at the beginning. Because as man was created and authority was delegated to to man, to Adam and Eve, to to subdue the earth, to to, to oversee it, to populate it. Adam even was given the authority to give all the names to the animals. Man carried a delegated authority at this stage. But what happened was as the devil came and through temptation and through sin, at that point, as Adam and Eve said a yes to the devil and a no to God, their authority that they had, they gave him the authority at that stage. He was desperate for it, right? He was desperate for it. So he had power and authority. And so Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus is here to redeem and restore. This is why, do you remember in the temptations in the wilderness, the devil says this to Jesus. He says, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world because he has authority of these at the minute because he's taken it off Adam and Eve. And he knows that this is what Jesus has come to claim back. And he says this to Jesus, I'll give you what you really, I'll give you, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you the authority. If you do one thing, get down and worship me. This is what he's always wanted, to be worshiped above God. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. And what we know is that as the story progresses, Jesus goes to the cross, puts the devil to public shame, defeats him at the cross, defeats sin and death and reclaims authority. And here's what you need to know today. The devil has power, but he has no authority. Right? He has power, but he has no authority. And it scares the life out of him to to think that you might get the understanding that you have power and authority. Because we're going to see it today that it's actually been delegated to you. And he doesn't want you to get this. And so what he wants you to think is that that power and authority stuff, that was just for Jesus. But Jesus says this, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will do because I am going to the Father. If you're, a, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian here this morning, it's the traditional way of calling it was you're a believer, right? If you're a believer in here, Jesus says this, whoever believes in me, so to all you believers, as you call yourself, you also will do the works I do. Well, just, just a few people know, everybody who believes, this is what Jesus is saying, to all who believe, 
all who call themselves followers, but the devil doesn't want us to get this, or the devil wants us to think it's just all about Jesus. But here's the thing, Jesus took all that he had, the power and authority, and he starts to give it away. He starts to delegate it. So what we see in the progression of this, it's really important to see, Jesus starts to give it. And so in Matthew 10 and in Luke 9, we see Jesus starting to give it away to the, to the 12, to the 12 disciples. This is what it says in Luke chapter 9. And he called the 12 together and gave them what power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. This is what was given to the, to the 12. He gave them power and authority to be able to do this. Some people still believe though, right? Well, that's where it stopped. It was just for those 12. It was just for those apostles. It wasn't for anyone else because the devil again doesn't want people to get this. So for some people, their, their mind and their eyes have been blinded to the truth of this, but Jesus continues on with it. It doesn't just stop at the 12. He takes it a step further. In Luke chapter 10, he then delegates it to the 72. We read of, listen to what it says in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. It's almost like Jesus gave them authority and they used it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Jesus, even the very demons, we used the authority you gave us and look what happened. And Jesus says this, he, says, he said to them, listen, this is a story I told you. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven when he was cast out. He said, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life, some translations say. Saying this, I've given you authority and the power that you have because of the authority that you carry is greater. That's why that verse says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He is powerful, but we carry power and authority. Do you understand this? We get both power and authority. And the reason why we can say that is because Jesus just doesn't stop at the 12 and the 72. He takes it a step further again. And this is what he says to the church, to us, to every believer sitting here this morning. This is what Jesus said. This is the, the Passion Translation version. He says this, all authority, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know the rest, my goodness, we've quoted it that many times. But this is the reality. All power, all authority. And so when we talk about, in these last 10 minutes, about us going, right, and us going and engaging with other people, this is what we need to recognize. This is, this is what we carry, because with the church, on this day, Pentecost Sunday, you know that the 120 went to the upper room and they waited. Jesus had already delegated at this point the authority. He said this, all authority I'm given to you. And on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh and suddenly they are filled with the power of the presence of God. So now the church just doesn't have authority, it has power and authority. I can't, I can't, I can't stress this enough. This is what you have. This is the truth that you need to hear over your life as a believer here this morning. This is how you go. As a sent one, you go with power and authority in the name of Jesus. And one of the things we wanted to look at today as we go through this is that how we outwork that can be, listen, we could talk about power and authority. We could take like 
weeks and weeks series to look at that and about what it means, how it outworks. I just, for the last 10 minutes, I just want to just look just practically. Last week we looked at hospitality as people come in, but you know what? We need to be able to use the power and authority that we have in such a way that allows people to experience the kingdom of God alive with them. And one of the ways that we do that as we go is that we move forward in a posture of this word, generosity. Because Jesus, as he delegates authority, so do you remember the, the second circle to the twelve. So Jesus has it and then delegates it to the 12. As he gives them instructions to go, Jesus says this, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely. Think of all that you have right now. Think of all that you've been given by God. It's, it's more than just your ticket to heaven, Right? Think of what God is blessing you with in your life each and every day. You get that for free. It costs God everything. But you know what? Freely you've received. Whatever you have freely received, it's now freely give. We move forward with generosity. And to finish, there's just four things I just wanted to frame this under. Four things to feel that as we move forward with generosity and just recognizing the power and authority that we have, I just feel that it just will transform atmospheres and places where we go. And the first one um, is this. We as a people need to be generous with love. We need to be generous with love. Let me get back on my notes because I'm going way off tangent here. Um, Jesus, Jesus was asked this question, what's, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said this, you know what? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus is saying this, if we, as we go, this is what we do, we are people that love. As we go and engage, whatever we do, it must be done out of a heart of love. Let's just pause a wee second. This has been a big weekend, hasn't it? And uh, hands up if you watched the wedding yesterday. Yes, anyone else's house, just go to a standstill. And like, it was just like, shh, keep the noise down, Megan's just arrived. All that sort of stuff, like you weren't allowed to breathe at one point, you know, and the kids were getting in the way of the TV, so I was the free babysitter for the day. Anyone else's house is like that? Well, anyone else with kids my age. And, uh, and, and it, was a great, it was a great ceremony. And, but one of the things in it, if you all saw, I'm sure, um, was, what was his name, Bishop Mike, Michael Curry, as, as he gave the sermon. And it was, it was incredible, wasn't it? And uh, it just seemed to be like, social media world has just gone viral with it, you know, just people responded to it. But there was something that was significant in it. It was incredible to watch, not just to see someone like him moving in power and authority as he spoke and delivered truth to, to queens and to princes and princesses and to all those who in the world's eyes are wise. But the most amazing thing for me as you watched it was just to see the reactions in the room. Did you notice it? For some people, it was just—it was almost like a sense of awkwardness because the, the, it was a nervous awkwardness because they never experienced a preacher like this before. Um, I, I was laughing. It was such a contrast—not not with um, not with the archbishop, but you know the guy that started off the whole proceedings. I thought, "Oh, cheapers! Is this is it going to be like this the whole way through?" He, he was a little bit dull, and uh, and then this guy gets up and it's just like, "Wow, this where did this come from?" When none of us were expecting this, and uh, so maybe people haven't been expecting it. But you know what it was. He was talking so passionately, this man was talking so passionately about love, but he was doing it with love, and he was doing it out of a heart of love, and what had happened was so much love of God had come alive in him, it was that he gave it away, 
He could, have, he could have just thought, well, I'm standing in front of the queen, so I just better be all proper here and all that sort of stuff and, and curtsy, whatever it might be, and just, you know. But he just was like, he just was passionate about Jesus. He just loved Jesus, and he just wanted to tell it, and he gave it away. He was generous with, with the love that God had brought on his life. He just wanted to share Jesus. And what happens with that is because, because he was generous with it, it just changed the atmosphere. Suddenly people are talking about it. People afterwards were just like, I never thought Christians were like that. Never heard a sermon like that. This is one of the lines that he was saying on it yesterday. He says, there's power in love. I'm not put on the American accent, don't worry. There's power in love. Don't, don't underestimate it. Don't even over-sentimentalize it. There is power, power in love. There's a certain sense in which when you're loved and you know it, when someone cares for you and you know it, when you love and you show it, it actually feels right. There's something right about it. And there's a reason for it. The reason has to do with the source. We were made by a power of love and our lives are meant to be lived in that love. That's why we are here. Ultimately, the source of love is God himself, the source of all of our lives. This, this is the love that we give and this is what God is. The psalmist Stephen says that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is who God is. And uh, so what we need to recognize is that everything needs to flow of love. This is the big thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. It's read at weddings time and time again. Let's just read the last three lines. He says this, if I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Listen, as we go and we try to engage with people, if it's not done out of love, it's just meaningless. It's pointless. Right? We can do just because we think it's our duty. It has to be way above that. Otherwise, it just it stifles off us and it stifles what God's trying to do in the thing. But when it's released out of love, it releases something into the atmosphere that just starts to change lives. As people experience the generosity of God in that way. And it's a choice. Love is a choice all the time. That's what agape love is. We need to be a people that are generous with our money. This isn't to teach on tithing. We've done that plenty of other times. You can read Malachi 3, 10 to 12 for some references in tithing. This is different. We, we say this line, tithing given unto God is, is not being generous, it's just being obedient. Generosity is over and above that. It's, it, it's generosity should cost us something. Generosity is something that we, we do at all times of our lives. We build it as a regular part of our lives and it unlocks something in our own hearts. You know what? The children of Israel are fully aware of the reality that all that they had was from God. So to be generous was to use what they, he had entrusted them to do. That's why we were saying even last week with your houses, you've been entrusted it. But even with your finances, the children of Israel had this mindset. All that I have has come from him. So for me to give it to other people, actually I'm not giving anything of my own. I'm just giving away that God had already given me. And the reason why was because they believed in the faithfulness of God who would provide all their needs that even as they gave, that God would continue to provide. And they were given out, out of the overflow of that. Generosity in our finances is how we see the needs of others met. This is something that is for all of us. This is really important. Generosity with your finances is for all of us, not just for the wealthy. And it's something that is for all of us in all seasons. Even if you're going through a good season or a bad season, generosity is a posture of the heart and it changes things. So Luke, in Luke 21, Jesus said this. And Jesus, or Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had. She, it was just a, it was a, 
it was a state of her heart was generosity at this moment. It wasn't based on her circumstances. Like, so when she got money, then she would choose to be generous. She was choosing to be generous at all times. And this is again even flowing out of the heart of love. Loads more we could say, but we'll flick on. We need to be generous with our time. For me, listen, on my last page, this is one of the most significant things you can ever be generous with. Right? People, when people are going through difficult times and situations, sometimes we can, we can chat to people and just generally have a conversation, but what they need is for us to actually give them our time. Sometimes people say, oh, you just don't have the time of day for such and such or to be able to do some things. It's the most significant thing we can do is to give someone our time to actually be present with them because in that moment, what we do is we treat them with worth and with value. Something that for many people in society, they just never get treated with. They stand on the peripheries, isolated, alone, away from people. People who aren't engaging with them in conversations, looking to see how they are, to treat them with the worth that God had actually designed them to have. And in that moment when we give time, and here's what we need to do with time, by the way, when we're with people. When we're, when we're giving time to people, it's not filling that time with our words. We're not trying to fix something. What we need to do more than anything is to listen. Right? People just need someone to speak to. That's why our Connect Coffee mornings in Oedenster are one of the most significant environments. People just want space for, to be able to come in and just to speak with someone. James says this, you must be all quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Let's give people time, give them our ears, let them know that we treat them with worth, that we see them with value. We want to go after them. And then finally, just for time's sake, just to say this, the last most crucial thing for all of us we just need to do is just be generous with Jesus. There, there's so many conversations and situations we're in each day, isn't there, with, with people. And you, you know that one of the most significant things that this person would need at that moment is just Jesus. But sometimes we just shy away from the conversations. Paul said this, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Just a it had come alive inside of him and he just wasn't ashamed about it and he wasn't ashamed to talk about it. Listen, there's nothing more that keeps your love for Jesus alive than when you just talk about him. When you feel like it's an embarrassment thing that you just want to hide away all the time, it just starts to dwindle and diminish your love for Jesus. But when you actually just want to talk about him, not in a legalistic Bible basher sort of way at all. It's not, it all has to flow out of love. That's the beginning point of it, isn't it? All has to flow out of love. But we need to give our time for Jesus. And what we see is that Jesus even said this, said this to the 12 again. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Bill, Bill Johnson paraphrases it and just says this. This is the qualifications of the kingdom. If you've been around Ignite or Grow, I've used this a few times. But this is the qualifications of what it means to be part of the kingdom. The PhD, the qualification. Proclaim. Don't be silent about Jesus. If people are asking questions and need to know about him, just talk about Jesus. And you know what? It's not just sharing the story of Jesus. The most significant thing you can do is share your story about what Jesus has done in your life, how you've experienced God, the things that he has been doing with you, the things that you've learned. That's the reality because for other people then it's just this thing that's in the distance that's unattainable. But when it's your story, it's real. So share your story, proclaim him, heal. Listen, we pray for people. Yes, we'll pray for people in the prayer meetings. But if you meet people each day, as you go out and engage with other people and you see people that are in need, do not be thinking for one moment that what you have to do is to write, let's try and find, I'll, I'll see if I can get in touch with Phil and see if he can come and pray. 
You, you carry power and anointing. You have been sent out by Jesus, so you can pray for them. And it doesn't need to be a long-winded prayer. Jesus even says that. Don't be going praying in the street corners so people can hear about it. Just in a simple way, it's just pray in the name of Jesus. With the authority that you have, pray for people. Allow them to see that you care for their needs enough that you would pray. Do not be embarrassed to pray for people. It allows people to see the reality of what it is. And then finally, they deliver. Just saying that, obviously we want to be wise about these sort of things. But you know what? We don't ever have to fear. We don't ever have to fear anything to do with the enemy. He has power, but he's no authority. We have power and authority. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's why the authority, it's not about us trying to do things in our own strength, by the way, because that just leads you into a completely wrong place. It's always in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because there's no greater name. It's the authority of him and nothing else. And so this is what we just finished by saying. And then we're going to get our kids. Sorry, I'm out of breath. Going a million miles an hour. This is what we need to realize. As we go, as, as we welcome people in, we're hospitable. Right? We're, we're outward looking. We're not siloed in our own way, individual families and friendship circles. As a church family together, we're outward looking. But our doors of our homes are open. We invite people in because God places the lonely in families. But each day with our lives, we go. We are the sent ones of God. And this is what I would just love us to finish, just to pray. This is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday again can just be another day that's just relegated to the pages of history when it was the beginning of the church. But this was significant for you. Jesus stood and declared this about himself. And what I've shown you in the progression of it was that while Jesus declared it about himself, everything that Jesus was saying he was able to do, he enabled the 12 to do. He enabled the 72 to do. He enabled the church to do. And so all these words that we are about to pray is for you to pray and believe because this is Pentecost Sunday, the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can feel good about ourselves? No, because we carry power now and the authority that Jesus has given us in his name. And by that power and by that authority, we go forward and we see the kingdom come in this town. So let's stand as we finish, can we? What I would love us to do, just love us to read this a couple of times and then I'm just going to just pray for us as we finish. So let's, let's, just, let's just read these words out and just really emphasize me. This is personal for you, right? As we do it, let's just read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Just one more time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the power and authority that we carry. God, this has got nothing to do with us. God, we haven't done anything, God, that we could boast to earn it. Jesus, we just thank you for the gift and the blessing that we have. Thank you for the power that we carry, God, by the coming of the Holy Spirit. We recognize it today, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Continue to fill us afresh. We continue to just call out for more. Continue to fill us, Holy Spirit, we need it. And by the authority of the name of Jesus, would you send us forward, fill us up, send us out, and move through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website 
at emmanuel-church.co.uk.